We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome everybody to the MLB DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel for Rotowire. This is your host, Joe Pizapia, and with me every Thursday, the crazy slate that is Thursday, sometimes in the day, sometimes in the night, sometimes both, but we got a doozy for you today, and the only person I could possibly want more to help break this down is Derek Van Riper. DVR, wait do you see what I got in store for you today. Yeah, I'm... Looking at some of these prices and some of these pitchers that are going, man, there's a three-game day slate and an eight-game uh, evening slate. You'd, you'd expect with an eight-game night slate, you'd have more options. This is not looking good. I like it. It's great that you're using the word more. I'm just looking for an option. You know, just just give me a single option. Just a, a option, one option that I feel good about would be great. So we're going to have to really break this down. Let's start with the day slate. You know, you've got the St. Louis Cardinals hosting the Reds. You've got Boston hosting Oakland. And you've got uh, Chicago White Sox uh, against Detroit in Detroit. Now, Luke Weaver has been terrific lately. He's at home against Cincinnati. Weaver, over the last couple starts especially here, you know, he's showing the strikeout ability. Uh, Going back into, you know, the end of August, he had back-to-back 10 strikeout nights. Then over his last uh, 12 and change, he's got 16 strikeouts, just two walks over that span. Weaver's really been outstanding. The ERA on the year sits around two. I'm telling you right now, I feel great about him. You play the cash games and you take your chances there. I guess you can play him in the tournaments. If you want to do some day slate tournament play, you can try that out. Uh, but I just can't. You look at the rest of the slate, and it's Pomeranz, it's Gossett, Garrett, Shields, Chad Bell. I mean, none of these guys, even a GPP, to me, have any sort of upside at all. I don't see, I don't see a lot of wins coming out of this group anywhere. No, it's it's to me, it's Weaver and Cash, and Weaver or Pomeranz in tournaments, and that's it. That's the whole story. Uh, with Pomeranz, we've had a couple games where he's been, you know, in the low or at least high forties, forty three and forty nine in two of his last four starts. A couple messes kind of sprinkled in there mostly against the Yankees. So 
unfortunately, is not going against the Yankees. He's got an A's team that has one lefty in particular, Matt Olson, who's been just killing the ball in the second half, so at least he neutralizes him. It's an okay spot. I mean, it's, it's viable because of how much the A's swing and miss, and for no other reason. But I, I can't, in good conscience, even suggest the other four, Gossett, Garrett, Shields, or, or Chad Bell, as even like contrarian GPP $3 shower beer lineup guys. Yeah, and I think Amir Garrett's a young kid that's going to have – it has potential. And I think, you know, eventually it might take him a little time. We'll get second Stevenson a long time to figure things out. You know, different guys come to this differently. Plus, he's a lefty. So, you know, typically they take a little bit longer to develop. I can understand the mindset of the opposition of saying, hey, if Luke Weaver has a bad start, you know, Amir Garrett is the contrarian play here. But I'm, I'm sorry. I just can't get behind it. And it's funny. Pomeranz, for me, I totally buy into what you're saying. It's just I wish he was cheaper. You know, for $500 less than Weaver, I almost want to pay up for that foundation and hope that I get some of the bats rights. And, you know, I, I, you know, look, I think you play the cash games, you play smart here, you let somebody else go get fancy, and then you move on with the slate. And you do is you try to get some shares of that Chicago White Sox-Detroit game. I think there's going to be a fair amount of offense there also. You can get some shares of that Boston Red Sox offense and just go to town. Now, the night slate, I'd love to say it gets better. But it doesn't. Masahiro Tanaka is the top of the board here with 9K in this salary. You got Tanner Rorick at 8,600. Rorick has been up and down all year. And he's a guy that I personally always like. But, you know, he's going against Fultonevich. It's it's an okay matchup. It's fine. I feel good about him, but not great. Uh, and then you got Brad Peacock, who against Ricky Nolasco – you know, Peacock's one of these guys, he's like the king of five and two-thirds, but we all know the strikeout rate is strong. And I think because he's going against Nolasco, it makes me feel better about him. But these are your three top options, and you can throw Barrios in there too, who's been inconsistent even though he's at home. Where would you go for cash game? Is it Rourke and just, you know, go with that Washington Nationals, or is it Peacock on the road and trying to go against Ricky Nolasco and hope that, you know, they could do enough with the Houston offense to get him a W? You know, I think the interest level in Peacock would be a little higher because of the strikeout upside that you mentioned. But I think the Braves right now are a team you can pick on. I like the fact that Roark is at home compared to Peacock having to go on the road to face the Angels. I'd rather use Tanner Roark. Uh, I have no real reservations, though, about paying the extra 400 for Tanaka. I mean, I think the Orioles, we know, sure, they're capable of doing damage. But on days where they do not hit, they often go down with a ton of strikeouts. And Tanaka, for the most part, in the second half has looked more like himself. That splitter's been working better again. That certainly helps. I know he's coming off a disappointing showing last time out against the Rangers. That was in Arlington, some pretty warm conditions. I'm willing to give him a pass on that because the overall body of work since about the middle of June has been in line with our preseason expectations for Tanaka. All right. Now, are, are you concerned with the long ball tendencies of Tanaka, too? Because, you know, that's been a problem that's plagued him most of the year. And with Tanaka here going against the Baltimore lineup where, you know, they've got a lot of punch. You can say what you want about Baltimore. This is a team that can hit home runs in that little ballpark. I kind of worry about going with him. I, th- I think Tanner Rourke is the guy that I prefer for all the, mention, all the reasons you mentioned, which is he's at home. Atlanta offensively is kind of, you know, blasé and – you know, Washington is a very strong team in the National League, too. You get a little bit of an easier pop there with the pitcher. I know it's kind of – it's going to be chalky, but I don't know, man. I, I just – I feel like Tanaka – Tanaka almost, I feel like, is a better GPP play, which sounds crazy because he's expensive. But, 
you know, because he's so high and low, I wonder if that's like the way to go there and, and make Rourke the, the cash game guy. It's possible. I mean, I, I think that, that rationale makes sense. I think with Tanaka, the home run rate, while it's up for the season, has been better lately. Three homers allowed in his last six starts, so he's been kind of trending in the right direction with that and flashing some strikeout upside. I had 10Ks back on the 27th against the Mariners, had 14 against the Rays in his final start in July. So, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's more GPP, Tanaka, Cash, Roark. I could see that. Barrios, I mean, I know he's been up and down in the second half. Still has that GPP ceiling we're looking for, too. I just don't know where I'm at with picking on the Jays at the present time. I mean, I think Barrios, skills-wise, can handle that lineup. I like that he's at home. I like the Twins still have something to play for. Uh, so with that, I think Barrios would check in just ahead of Peacock for me. And depending on how the bats play out, maybe I'd pivot from Tanaka to Barrios if it's a tournament. All right, fair enough. And you got Josh Tomlin Lord down there at 75, and the Cleveland Indians who just have forgotten how to lose baseball games, apparently. But the problem with Tomlin is, you know, the strikeout rate for him isn't great, and I don't know how long, you know, you could expect this stretch. You're not going to win 30 games. You know, there's going to be some losing at some point. And you continue to go down this grouping. You've got Fulton Evich, you got Brett Anderson, you got Wade Miley, Seth Lugo, Ricky Nolasco, who I mentioned earlier. It is ugly, so let's get to the ugly and start targeting who we want in these games. All right, let's talk about Wade Miley, the lefty in Yankee Stadium pitching. Uh, that's certainly a target go against. Uh, Seth Lugo, uh, made probably both sides of this game with the Mets and the Cubs, with Lugo and with Brett Anderson involved. And you got Jake Thompson at home against the Marlins. So what are some of the offenses, including Houston, too? Where would you – where's your mind go first stack-wise? Is it Houston? Is it the Cubs at home? Where would you go? You know, I'm looking at the Marlins and assuming that the weather concerns for Philly are a non-issue approaching game time Thursday, I think a Marlins stack is actually pretty high up on my list. I don't think Thompson's going to miss a ton of bats. Uh, we know with Ricky Nolasco, you know, the Astros are going to be expensive to stack against them. So sure, you try to get at least some exposure, get one Houston bat in there, can. But I could see going with three or four Marlins, kind of building around the usual suspects, Yelich, Stanton. Ozuna kind of hoping that that trio can put up a, a big, big number against Thompson. Uh, Seth Lugo, I think, is interesting enough to where I'm probably not stacking against him, but I'm not fearing him if as the lineup comes together, you know, the best option for me at third base is, is Chris Bryant or something like that. You know, I'm not going to not play Chris Bryant because of Lugo. Uh, Miley would be the other guy that I want to go full stack against if possible, but much like the problem with Houston, we know the Yankees are often expensive when you try to stack four of them, so that becomes a bit of a challenge. But yeah, I have no faith in Wade Miley really keeping the ball in the yard at all against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. All right, let's talk about those Marlins, and let's start a catcher at 3,100. Guy who's put up 20-plus points the last three outings for him is JT Real Muto, a catcher. And, you know, Real has been one of these more contact kind of guys, but lately he's been red hot. He's got three straight multi-hit games. He's got, uh, you know, again, power is not his strong, so he's got 16 home runs on the year, but, you know, he's not a home run hitter per se. He hasn't hit a home run in, you know, his last 15 games or so. So, uh, but right now, seeing the ball well, certainly I think an option there and a pretty good fade from the $3,700 Gary Sanchez, as you mentioned earlier, very tough to stack a lot of Yankees with the price tag they come with. But let's keep going down this grouping and continue to look for some of those favorite catchers. We like Salvador Perez usually. 2700 I think still kind of a respectable play there against Tomlin uh but let's even go further is there like a really cheap catcher where you say okay 
I can throw this guy out there and feel good about him and, uh, you know, try to just pay up then for the very big elite Stanton type of bats and kind of do it that way tonight considering pitching is such a disaster. He hasn't played much since coming off the DL, but Evan Gaddis at 2,300 is kind of an automatic consideration if he gets into the lineup. Uh, I know the Ricky Nolasco home run tendencies bode well for lefties in particular, but Gaddis is a righty. I think could still do enough damage at 2,300, or at least in tournaments. He is on my radar. Uh, other cheaper options, man, it's just kind of more of a see who's in there, and if one of the $2,000 guys gets a spot start, uh, like a Victor Caratini, you know, if he ends up playing, which hasn't happened a lot either because uh, the Cubs are getting a little healthier behind the plate, you know, he switch hits, 2000 for Caratini would be interesting if he gets the nod on Thursday. Yeah, and also on this slate too, you know, I want to mention Travis Darno, who, look, you know, Travis Darno has been disappointing to a lot of season-long owners, but, you know, of late, hitting the ball a little bit better, that's certainly one that, you know, you could put out there as well. It's going to have low ownership attached to it. Uh, he's facing Sang in this game tonight. Uh, so that's one other catcher that I would throw out there and consider because he is more of a contact type hitter. And Darno has done this before where he goes on these little mini tears where he looked good. God knows his Met fans. We've seen that before. You know, he has a little tiny outburst where you start to be convinced that Travis Darno is going to be a, a good player. And then it just kind of goes by the wayside. Let's go over to first base, top of the board. Carlos Santana at 4,200. Freddie Freeman, 42. Hosmer, 41. And of course, Edwin Encarnacion at 39. Now, Encarnacion, $300 cheaper than Santana against Jake Junis. I don't quite understand why he's cheaper. Uh, I, I understand, you know, I, I get the lefty-righty split here. I get the OBP of Carlos Santana. But, I mean, when you're talking about two guys who offer power, who offer RBI potential, I mean, I understand Santana over late has been better. But Encarnacion, I think, is equally good here. Yeah, he is. I think the this is where that Lugo position I mentioned before kind of comes into play, though. When you look at Anthony Rizzo at 3,800, I like that even better. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So that that might be really chalky, but I'd rather go down to Rizzo than even throw Encarnacion out there. I, I, I might like Jake Junis more than most. I don't know if I would have him as my, my tournament pitcher, given what the Indians have been doing lately, and given that you, you know, don't really get a, a ton of points upside. But I think he's good enough to maybe put the Indian streak in danger. I mean, like this, this is one of the few guys they've seen recently who's actually a reasonably tough pitching matchup if he's pitching well. So I'm looking at Rizzo as kind of the expensive option uh, at first base. Uh, assuming Justin Bohr is in there, I, I like that spot for him a lot against Thompson. I'm still getting used to Bohr being healthy. So even if you <laughs> want to stack Marlins, a mid-tier first baseman with a lot of pop, Justin Bohr really scratches that itch. I love the Boar call. That's exactly where I was going. To me, he was my number one guy there in terms of return on investment. Uh, good ballpark situation, good pitching situation, as long as the weather cooperates here in the Northeast, between the Washington, Philadelphia, all those other spots, we should be pretty good. But that's the only thing. God, talk about a bad slate going to awful if weather starts taking out some of these games like Washington and some other games we want to have some uh, shares of. That's going to be a bad scene. I don't think Rizzo's going to be as owned as you might think despite the $3,800 salary. He's only had one double-digit game in the last eight and it's been a lot of quiet outings there for Rizzo. So I wonder if people are actually a little bit off him, despite the fact that the salary is very user-friendly. And I think people right now, Rizzo's gone a little dormant, and I think people might be a little afraid. Let's go to the other side of the corners here. Let's go to third base. Manny Machado on top of the board, 4K. 
Chris Bryant, same price. Then you got Kyle Seeger and Alex Bregman, who, uh, you know, certainly has turned things around the second half. We know that. Let's, let's start with Bregman in this discussion against Ricky Nolasco. Uh, Bregman, you know, a strong uh, outing today, I would say. You know, a guy that I think will be able to put the ball in play against Nolasco. He has power upside. But the problem is, you mentioned that maybe Toronto right now is a team you don't want to be facing. And for Berrios, you know, Josh Donaldson is that same price. And Donaldson, I think, offers a lot more power. He does. I think the play, though, that I like, especially for GPPs, is Todd Frazier. Again, it's probably the second or third time in the last like four or five episodes we've done where I've pointed him out as a guy that I like. More of a mid-tier guy at 3,500. Righty-lefty spot against Wade Miley. You know, Todd Frazier, it's been a disappointing season overall. The average is, is ugly. Pulls the ball way too much, and I think that's why, where the batting average floor really kind of dropped out on him. But you look at what he's been doing going over these last couple of weeks. He's been tearing the cover off the ball on a pretty regular basis. A lot of 20-point games sprinkled into that game log. I like the matchup. I like the park. I like the current form. So I think Todd Frazier is one of my preferred tournament plays at third base because he's a bit cheaper than some of those top options. But I think he brings just as much upside because of the pitching matchup. And a great spot there with lefty Wade Miley on the mound here in that little ballpark too. That signed me up for that. And if it's a little too dangerous for you, or if you like the lineup, you have a Frazier in it and you want to maybe get a little bit more foundation, you know, maybe you switch to an Anthony Rendon and another one, you know, if you're doing multiple lineups, it might be a night to do a couple instead of playing, you know, big time money, maybe play smaller money and you do multiple lineups and try to do it that way because it's, it's very tricky out there tonight. You know, all these, uh, spots here you know sometimes you just get the weird shake especially with the nights late on Thursday being a little shorter and you you know and, and look keep in mind too there's going to be some other money some new money on the site there from football where people are going to see baseball contests and throw some money in there and not have an idea of what they're doing and that's certainly to your benefit if you've been working hard all year playing DFS and you know your baseball any love for the guys at the top I, I know you mentioned Frazier but Machado or Bryant either of these guys work for you or interest you at all at that price or you just fade them because you think you can get the same kind of output from you know uh, guys like Todd Frazier I like Tanaka enough where I'm probably not using Machado anywhere I mean I, I don't think that it's a matchup where Machado can't be successful I just think there are other things that I like to do a little bit better uh, Bryant would be a better play for the same $4,000 price tag Kyle Seeger at 3,800 against Andrew Kashner, I think is probably more interesting than both, even though the base skills for Machado and Bryant are at another level. And then the other kind of cheap option, if you want to punt third base a little bit, Mike Moustakis gets a big park boost in Cleveland. We know Josh Tomlin can serve up the long ball. 2,900 for a guy with 36 bombs in one of the easier places to hit home runs for lefties. That's a steal for Mike Moustakis. Great season for him, too, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up things for the stretch run here. I mean, just a terrific season. I remember at the beginning of the season, people were talking about how much and more they like Cassianos than Moustakis, and I just wanted to bang my head against the wall and saying, guys, did you guys see what Moustakis did the year before and how much gains he made against left-handed pitching and how he's just really improved overall? And, and look, he's continuing to do it. Good for him. I mean, this is a guy who deserves more attention than he gets. Unfortunately, he doesn't get nearly enough. Brian Dozier's getting a lot of attention at second base. Another big second half from him. He's up over 30 home runs now in the year. $4,200 for him. You mentioned D. Gordon at 42 as well, part of that Miami grouping. Jose Altuve at 41. Then Jose Ramirez at 4K. Merrifield at 4K. I mean, look, you, the top guys at second base, you got to pay for. They are all priced in that upper zone here from Daniel Murphy. Actually, even Cano at 36 all the way up. 
it's pretty much just, you know, you got to get out the checkbook. So if you are going to pay for one of these guys, is it Jose Ramirez in the matchup against KC uh, or do you prefer the power of Dozier or maybe the speed of D Gordon? I think for me, I'm passing on Gordon because the home run, home run probability is always so low. I know he hit one a couple days ago, but you, you just don't want to bank on that. El Tuve at 4,100 is very fairly priced. Dozier, because it's against Brett Anderson, is pretty interesting to me. I mean, that's it's a nice landing spot for him. His second half has been excellent again this year. So it's probably El Tuve one, Dozier a close second, and then Robbie Cano, the ownership rate again should be pretty high, but I'm not shying away from him. He's 3,600 against Kashner. I like that spot for him quite a bit. So I think at least in cash, those big two guys over 4,000, El Tuve and Dozier are going to be the key building blocks. But as you start thinking about GPPs and freeing up that extra cash, getting that little discount on Robbie Cano against the guy at Andrew Kashner, who's been just doing it with smoke and mirrors really all year, is a really interesting thing. Uh, then you got Starling Castro at yeah. 2,800. 28, that's exactly where I'm going. I say, well, if I'm looking for relief at second base, if I wanted to pay up for one of the big corner guys, it's Castro for you know the same kind of reasons where you talk about right-handed, left-handed matchups favorable, ballparks favorable. It's a guy historically has hit better at Yankee Stadium than on the road. Uh, so for me, I'll take that matchup all day long, 2,800, and I think that's a perfectly legitimate fade from the top group. Yeah, and then I think if you want the ultimate punt at second base, if he's in the lineup, Raul Mondesi against Josh Tomlin for 2,000 flat. I mean, had a great year at AAA, still very young. Uh, he switch hits. I like that he can get to those, those at-bats against Tomlin from the left side. If he's ever going to get into one and go yard uh, in September, I mean, Raul Mondesi's setup is about as good as it gets for him on Thursday. All right. Top of the board at shortstop, Lindor at 49. Holy cow. I mean, look, it's not that he doesn't deserve it. I mean, the Indians have been absolutely spectacular. This run that they've gone on has been historic. You mentioned that Junis is not the worst, you know, guy in the world in terms of pitching. But, my goodness, the run that Lindor has been on for a while, I mean, good for him. 30 home run season already here. He's got 78 RBIs, which is no slouch hitting from a, you know, as high as he hits in the order. Just a great season. But at 49, I think – you probably have to look the other way, don't you? Yeah, you do. I'm locked in on Carlos Correa at $3,400. I mean, that's a bargain against Ricky Nolasco. It's a bargain against anybody. I know it's been a little while since he's homered as a result of the time he missed that injury. What better time, though, than getting a matchup against Ricky Nolasco and the $3,400 price tag? I mean, this is a $4,000 talent. So, yeah, you're getting a discount because he's maybe playing at less than 100%, but I'm willing to take that risk with Carlos Correa. Yeah, and it's funny. You've got him. You've got Rizzo right now. You've got a couple of these players, Cano, some big names who are sitting. And I think that some of those big names will be highly owned, especially because of some of the fresh money, who will recognize the big names and not be you know, aware of guys like Mondesi you know, and some of the other guys we might talk about. Another guy, too, to throw in this mix at 3,700 is Jose Reyes, who's been leading off, who has been putting up some big games, has been stealing some bases late, too. So making points happen in different ways. Trey Turner is a pay-up at 42, but not nearly as tough as Lindor. Uh, then you go down, continuing through this group here with Gene Segura at 33, another guy that I think you can always make a case for because of the asset he brings. I want to talk about Anderson Simmons, too, at 26. Now, it's against Peacock, but you know Simmons is another guy who's been kind of sneaky this year, a little quiet of late. But, look, Simmons has been one of these guys that has, you know, if you're looking for salary relief at 2600 I think that's a pretty responsible salary considering what he's brought so far this year to the Angels. 
And he's hitting fifth or sixth in the order most That's days. the so other part, yeah. Higher up than a lot of the other cheap shortstops. You know, if you were looking at like J.P. Crawford, I, I totally get it, but he's you know, a couple hundred bucks cheaper. He's going to hit eighth. Like that's Rosario has been hitting a little bit of late too, you know, making some contact over the last week. I mean, it's not stunning, but I mean, that's another guy too. If you're playing, if you're doing multiple lineups, you know, that might be another way we're talking about the pivoting off of Frazier for Rendon. If you want to go cheap, you can do Simmons and Rosario in two different lineups to keep that same kind of thing. And, uh, you know, just change one little piece of it and hope one of them goes off if you're doing like a $2 kind of GPP situation. All right, over 2.5 million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RotoWire and you'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel, just visit FanDuel.com slash RotoWire. Boyd, where prohibited. Top of the board at outfield, Mike Trout, 47. Giancarlo Stanton, 46. Reese Hoskins, my goodness. Talk, talk about a fantastic debut here while everybody's caught up in the NFL season. How about Reese Hoskins since his call-up? I mean, this has been exciting to watch, I got to say. I mean, you know, he. a lot of people get will you know think about Aaron Judge this season and a couple other guys, but – this man's got 16 dingers and he's hitting 298 and he just came up not that long ago. And he doesn't strike out. Look, that's no. that's the scary thing about him. Is <laughs> oh, he's he got these multi-walk the games, DVR. He's got like two walks, three walks. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I'm wondering like how expensive Reese Hoskins is going to be at draft tables in 2018. And I'm already considering paying that premium because yeah. he might be that good. It's a great park to hit in. You know, young lineup around him, so the lineup context may not be as bad for the Phillies in 2018 as it's been these last couple of seasons. This this could be a, a monster player, I mean, just based on the profile we've seen, the raw power he brings to the table. I'm really excited to see what's next for Reese Hoskins. As far as you know, paying top dollar for him in DFS, Jose Urena certainly not a pitcher that you're afraid of, so I think you could justify it. I think the way I've been building lineups lately, though, trying to hit a lot of mid-tier guys, mm-hmm. it makes it really difficult to pay up for those outfielders up over that $4,000 price point. So I probably won't have Hoskins in my main lineup. Yeah, I'll tell you, and they got Kingery coming too, who's an exciting young player. Maybe they take a little pressure off Michael Franco. Maybe he rebounds too if he doesn't get moved in the offseason. Certainly a lot to think about. All right, let's talk about these guys who's under 4K. You mentioned about wanting to get in on the Marlins against Thompson. What about Marcelo Zuna, 33-110 and 110 on the year? maintain that batting average it's always been the knock on him can he do it over two halves and it's been a very good strong season for Mozuna so at 39 is this where we kind of begin taking a look at some of these mid to lower tier outfielders yeah definitely I like Ozuna quite a bit Uh, if you want to go a little cheaper George Springer hasn't been hitting a lot lately I mean he's had a little four game lull where he's got just one hit I'm not reading too much into that 3600 is a great price for him so you can get that 30 home run pop and a guy that's also exceeded expectations, I think, in the batting average category, much like Marcelo Zuna has. I think George Springer has done uh, some some things in that category that people weren't expecting. So he's kind of in the rate on the radar for me too. Uh, maybe you want to pair him with Correa. Maybe you want Springer to be your one-off against Nolasco. Either way, I think that can work. Uh, the other guy that I'm I'm kind of intrigued by, just because he's he's got that floor thanks to his speed and where he gets to hit in the order makes him pretty interesting. It's Lorenzo Cain. I mean, yeah. he's a really solid player. Thirty-four. He's had a good second nice half. 
He's at a, a Kane's going to be one of these guys too. Is at a good second half. He could be an infuriating player because you watch him and you think he should hit more home runs with the body type he has, and it's just not his game. But yeah, that's a good point out here. You got him, you Mustakas too. You know, maybe just maybe it's time to start you know trolling Cleveland a little bit just because the law of averages are going to set in here eventually. Yeah, I mean they are, and I think it's it's Josh Tomlin. Like let's let's be real about that. Like he gives up home runs, so take a swipe or two at Josh Tomlin. <laughs> if you're really taking one, it's Mike Mustakis. I mean, seriously, like 2,900 for what he can what he can do, especially with the matchup being in that park. If you're going to take two, Kane, I think, has uh, made a pretty good case to be that guy. Uh, who else do you like around that range, either in the mid threes or low threes? Uh, well, in the low threes, right off the bat, the one that jumps to me is Justin Upton with the power. You know, I, I understand it's going to be against Peacock, but it's also going to get some kind of bullpen at some point because Peacock is so inefficient. You know, Cole Calhoun is another guy who hasn't been, you know, real loud, but I also think that's a spot there too where the matchup might play into his favor there. Uh, fastball pitcher, fastball hitter, that could be a good scenario. You know, for me, it's funny, you know, we, we mentioned some of these guys like Castro, like Frazier. I think if you go down to that range for some of those, like take a little Yankee stack there, you might be able to go pay up for a little bit of the outfield because as you continue to go down the in the outfield range, it's not – a great scenario. Uh, let, you know, let's talk about one other guy who's on the Cleveland side of things, too. At 3,100, a guy who offers power. Streaky as all hell. Has always been his entire career. Certainly got to be loving life since he got traded over from the New York Mets. It's Jay Bruce coming off a home run with three RBIs uh, tonight. Uh, excuse me, last night. Uh, and a walk as well. So what are your thoughts on Bruce as like a GPP $3,100, you know, go for the home run kind of guy? Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. Uh, like I mentioned before, I'm not not using multiple Indians against Junis, but I would like the idea of getting a lefty against them because of the park factors. Right. Um, the the thing I'm noticing, though, now, as I look at the bottom of the price list, Willie Calhoun, if he's starting, he is the path to actually affording one of Trout or Stanton or Hoskins Great call. without going like cheap anywhere else. And Willie Calhoun's got a lot of power. So if you're going to punt, Punt with a guy that hits the ball hard. I mean, Brandon Moss was floating around $2,000 for a while. He had a little home run tear. Now he's up to $2,800. Uh, I always like to find the guy that has the, the ability to just go deep one time. All you got to do is get me the 18 points from the home run. I don't care if you go one for five with three strikeouts. If that one is a home run, I'll happily take that. So I think that's, that's one of the angles I'm now thinking about. The question then becomes, if you're in a GPP, are you willing to throw Aaron Judge out there right now at 4,200 instead of Hoskins at 43, instead of Stanton at 46? You know what? I think I'm going to say no. I'm going to say I'm going to take the other guys instead. I'm going to take Reese Hoskins, who's locked in, or Stanton, who's, had, who's just been on a monstrous tear in the second half. I think if I'm going to spend up, I'm going to spend for the guy that I feel best who's going to give me a 30-something point night. And I'll tell you what, I mean, Hoskins is the one you mentioned about the walks, you mentioned about not striking out. To me, that's, that's what makes his game so intriguing is because you have the opportunity to take a guy who's going out there every time and he's going to hit the pitch that he wants to hit. And pitch selection is such a, a tough thing to find with a hitter of his age. And the fact that he has it already in that very home run friendly ballpark, that's just a great combination. And I, and I agree, you know, you know, we saw this earlier in the year too when Lewis Brinson came up. There's opportunity there. You throw in these guys fresh out of the minor leagues. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Certainly didn't work in the beginning of the year with Byron Bucks and take some of these guys a long time. But we are in September. There is some middling pitcher. Willie Calhoun, you know, with Felix Hernandez making his first start in a while. 
that's a shot for Calhoun to probably at some point see some quad A pitching in the second half of this game. So if that does indeed happen and Calhoun is in a much level playing field than you might think he is and certainly worth that risk and certainly, you know, a guy like Reese Hoskins or Stanton, they can carry your entire outfield with just one night. All right, you can follow him on Twitter at Derek Van Riper. You can follow me at Joe PS17. For everybody here at Rotowire, have a great night of Daily Fantasy.